Welcome back to WeCast. I'm your host, Brock Benson. It's been another great week in the West End of Colorado with sunny days in the 50s and 60s and cold nights getting down to freezing. Third season rifle is underway and every place and everywhere is inundated with hunters. And the youth of the West End have been hard at work this week. Ag class continues to study range management with the National Resource Conservation Service. National Honor Society inducts Kira Red and Truman Tooker. Mr. McCabe's government class attends the 2023 Western Slope Economic Leadership Conference. Ren Reams is in the money barrel racing in Farmington. Archery class is back on the school campus thanks to Bree Bonacquista and a grant from the West in Pay It Forward Trust. Youth basketball continues with Montrose West Recreation. High school PE class moves outdoors for the day, and Anton Pierce is apprenticing at Paradox Cycle, thanks to the generous support from the West End Pay It Forward Trust. From the Trailhead Sound Lab in Natarita, Colorado, this is a 141 production in cooperation with the Rimrocker Historical Society and the San Miguel Basin Forum. This is volume 74, issue number 24 of the San Miguel Basin Forum, bringing you all the headlines out of the west end of Colorado for the week of November 15th, 2023. The price of uranium as of November 6th is $73.65. All right, making the headlines this week, Sabra Grierson completes Farrier School by Reagan Tuttle, editor. After graduating Nucla High School less than six months ago, Sabra Grierson, the not-so-little girl who's done Gymkhana and rodeo her whole life, has already completed one post-secondary education program. She trained at Oklahoma Horseshoeing School in Purcell, Oklahoma for 12 weeks and just received her diploma. Grierson told the forum over the week that she's always been around farriers because of her own horses. She figured she could attend school to learn how to do their job, save money for herself, but also make money by shoeing for others. She left August 30th for Oklahoma, lived in the dorms on site, and studied six days a week with morning classes and hands-on work using tools, a forge, and more. She and her classmates were shoeing a horse on the first day of training. There were some females in the program, but way more men, she said. Students start the program at different times, so the numbers fluctuate depending on the week. She said the ages of students varied greatly, too. Some students were still teens, others were much older. Grierson is happy with the education she received. The hardest part for her was being persistent in everything she was asked to do. She had to find her own routine for forging and shaping horseshoes. In the beginning, it was a struggle, but it did get easier for her. She, of course, had to study equine bones, tendons, and hoof structures. She learned about corrective shoeing and other issues that cannot be solved by the work of a farrier. She said her teachers were, quote, the best, though at times they had to be firm, especially if people appeared to be slacking. Some of the horses were big drafts that needed to be sedated. Other horses had not been shod in some time. She also got to work with nicer horses, though, that had been more maintained by their owners. She got to meet other people in the rodeo world and also other horseshoers who are talented in their work. She sat through various demonstrations and talks given by expert farriers. She's not sure what she'll do at this point. She's been back home in the West End for a week and a half. She's been working already and even shooed for her former employer, Rudy Rudabush. Grierson said Rudy expressed his approval at her work this last week and said she did very well with his horses. Grierson agreed. Her mother, Michelle Zunich, also a horsewoman, is very proud. She now has the opportunity to apprentice with a farrier in the Denver area, a man who is quite good at his craft. She might also attend a junior college for equine business management. 
At only 18 years old, Grierson has a trade under her belt and a way to make money no matter what route she goes in the future. She's happy she's done it, and she realizes how she's grown as a horsewoman. Quote, looking at the hoof before I went to school and looking at it now, it's so different, she said. Quote, now I can actually look at the hoof and know what's there and know how to trim and shoe. End quote. She recommends Oklahoma Horseshoeing School to anyone willing to work hard at it and meet the rigorous requirements of the program there. In the meantime, she's got her own tools in a forge and is working away in the West End. To reach Grierson, horse people may call 970-497-0556. Good job, Sabra. All right, in news out of Norwood, San Miguel County supports ag over solar. Summer concerts planned by Reagan Tuttle, editor. At last week's Norwood Town Board of Trustees meeting, Mayor Candy Meeham told the board San Miguel County will send a letter to the state land board to support agriculture and grazing on the parcel of land that was being discussed for a 600-acre solar project. Meehan said the community wasn't necessarily anti-solar, it's anti-industrialization, and the Lone Cone property is not a good spot for a solar installation. Town Clerk Amanda Pierce told trustees she and Deputy Clerk Benny Hannigan had a meeting with the West End's task force for the Office of Just Transition. Just Transition is a state program that supports communities affected by the coal shutdown. Pierce said now the local area, Nuclear Natarita Norwood, will share a regional grant writer who will work in all three communities and support the West End Economic Development Corporation. It's a pilot program. The grant writer will split time in all three towns and work for three years at a minimum. Pierce said the grants for such things work especially well when local entities apply as a whole region. Diva Shasonis of Norwood Park and Recreation District attended the meeting to speak about a summer concert series that is being planned for 2024. Called Music on the Mesa, the event will showcase ciders from Mancus that are prepared using apples from the Apple Corps project of Nucla. Shasonis is now working with a music promoter on bands, dates, and more. Dahlia Martins of Telluride appeared at the meeting to announce she's moving to Norwood after having purchased the Royer Building. She'll now move her business, Mary Jane Medicinals, as well as her personal home, to Grand Avenue. Mary Jane's is a topical cannabis company that creates salves, lotions, and more. She said the business is low impact since there aren't really smells or commotion. The town clerk said Martins follows the law impeccably. Martins will likely be hiring one to two Norwood employees. The hair salon, currently in the same building, will remain. Norwood Youth Organization has been approached to start a co-ed volleyball rec league. The nonprofit has reached out to Montrose West Recreation to see about their plans for adult volleyball play. The league is supposed to start up in late November. Plans are underway for the ice rink, too, which ideally happens at Pig Palace at San Miguel Basin Fairgrounds in the winter. Trustee Sean Fallon said there's been a situation with the shade cloth since the roping club chopped it up over the summer to create shade over horse stalls. He agreed the cloth was old and someone told them they could use it. Still, the ice rink needs a new shade cloth. The town is now donating approximately $300 to $350 for that. Public Works Director Randy Harris lost one great employee. Wade Garvey and is now shorthanded. Trustee Niven Drybrow asked Harris how the crew would get along without Garvey, especially regarding snow plowing. Harris said he hopes to hire someone soon. Trustees acknowledge that fellow trustee Morgan Rummel, also a football coach for the combined Mavericks, was elected to Norwood's school board. The mayor also reported the Norwood Food Bank needs $1,500 for Thanksgiving and Christmas. The food bank feeds people all the way to Paradox. Town Administrator Patty Grafmeyer's job has been posted throughout the region, and many people are waiting to see who is applying and who could possibly replace her. 
All right, in holiday news, December 7th is The West End's Elf and Eve by Reagan Tuttle, editor. Elf and Eve, the West End's community holiday event, is Thursday, December 7th in Natarita and Nucla. This year's theme is The Music of Christmas. Representatives of the Nucla Natarita Area Chamber of Commerce want all to know that local businesses will be extending their hours to welcome holiday shopping and encourage folks to spend their money in the West End. The parade starts at dusk that evening at the Natarita Community Center and will run up the hill to Main Street in Nucla, ending at the fire hall. There will be awards for the parade contestants in the following categories, family-slash-private entry, club-slash-organizations-slash-groups, and also government-slash-business. Various discounts, door prizes, appetizers, and more will be happening at local shops and restaurants in the West End. Wild Gals Market in Natarita will have a bonfire and serve hot chocolate, as well mold cider. Owner Gleek Korngold told the forum the market will stay open until 8 p.m. for those on Elf and Eve. Walk-in liquor and coffee is happy to participate as usual. Quote, we always do a spirit tasting, snacks, a drawing for percentages off at the counter, and free swag, said owner Laura Sherman. Quote, all the fun stuff, and we have a pretty good view of the beginning of the parade. End quote. Virginia Erickson of Flying Bear Pizzeria at Natarita Bicycle Company will host live music with local John Budd singing country and Americana classics. They'll have holiday-inspired cocktails, too. Additionally, the bike shop portion will have discounts on gear and other retail. Quote, we look forward to seeing the community and having our fireplace going with warm drinks. Erickson said. Up the hill in Nucleus, Saucy Mamas has been so busy the owners have not had time to think about Elf and Eve. They've been cooking for hunters after hours in addition to their regular hours. While Saucy Mamas doesn't have details yet for their Elf and Eve plans, they're working on it and will be open for sure. Bobby Calhoun, owner of the Fifth Avenue Grill, echoed that her business will be open and participate with a special meal that evening. She's not sure of her exact dinner plans as of press time. Also participating will be 333 Arts and potentially Tabawatch Trail Riders. Rosella Childs and Cassandra Farmer of Art at the Apothecary will have a combined space made up of artisans with handmade goods and more. Rimrocker Historical Society will have the new museum open on Main Street in Nucla, and the Nucla Natarita Telephone Company will be open until 8 p.m. with a special for that night only. And Santa Claus will be at the Nucla Fire Hall, receiving children and hearing their wishes this holiday season. Photo opportunities with Santa are welcome. Also happening later in December will be the Chamber's Holiday Lighting Contest. Then there will be a residential category to include Natarita, Redvale, Nucla, and also Bedrock and Paradox. There will be a business commercial category, too. The Nucla Natarita Area Chamber of Commerce will make announcements soon on the Holiday Lighting Contest details. More community news out of Norwood. A fund for Norwood Swimming Pool started. Special to the forum. A public swimming pool for Norwood, an idea that has been a frequent topic of community discussion over the years, may be a step closer to reality thanks to the generosity of a local couple. Lisa Foxwell and Paul Finley, owners of the Mini Ponies Outfit Horse Ranch in Norwood, have donated $53,000 in seed money to start a fund aimed at getting a pool built there. Quote, it will take a number of years, but we need to get the public interested in it and excited, said Foxwell. Quote, every journey starts with a single step, end quote. The swimming pool fund will be administered by the Lone Cone Legacy Trust, a community endowment established to support Norwood and Wrights Mesa in conjunction with the Telluride Foundation. Foxwell serves on the Legacy's Trust Board of Directors. Members of the public who wish to donate to the pool project can send checks to the Lone Cone Legacy Trust at P.O. Box 565, Norwood, Colorado, 81423. All the money will be invested so that it can appreciate in value over time. The Legacy Trust asks people who want to donate to mark 
quote, swimming pool fund, end quote, on the memo line of their checks so that the money is properly allocated. Quote, Norwood has always wanted and needed a swimming pool, and Lisa and Paul have started a process that could make it a reality, said Legacy Trust Board member Gretchen Wells. Quote, thank you, Lisa and Paul, end quote. Other board members mentioned how a pool in Norwood could help local children learn to swim. Quote, I have a young child, and this past summer my family drove her to Uray for swim lessons, said Jennifer Wheeler, who recently joined the board. Quote, I think a pool will not only be great for people to learn to swim in the West End, but for recreation of all age groups, end quote. In 2007, the Norwood Park and Recreation District proposed a 12,030,000-foot recreation center that included plans for a four-lane swimming pool as well as a play area for children and a full size gym. The project was to be paid for largely with tax revenues from oil and gas drilling by Encana Corporation, a Canadian energy company. But Encana later spun off its interest in western Colorado, and the oil and gas money never materialized, forcing Norwood to abandon those plans. Now Foxwell and Finley hope to revive the idea, although they realize it will take time and a lot more money to turn it into a reality. The couple say they plan to keep donating to the fund on an annual basis and encourage others to do the same. Quote, it could take 10 to 20 years, said Finley, quote, but it will be a huge benefit for our community, end quote. Foxwell and Finley started the Mini Ponies outfit in 1990, giving English and Western riding lessons for youngsters and adults, offering adventure rides, boarding, and support raising horses. They've been active in community affairs in Norwood and are hoping that someday their legacy will include that swimming pool. All right, on page two, we have tips from the West End Posse, Knot Tying by Mark Riquet. For most of us, the first knot we learned how to tie was in our shoelaces. And that is where it stopped for a large portion of the human population. Generally, people can't tie knots for anything. I had a tough time with the shoelace thing. After a session of attempting to tie my shoelaces, usually my feet were tied together, and the laces were one big ball that my grandmother had to attack with scissors and a pocket knife. I believed that granny knots would hold anything, if you used enough of them. Seven or eight grannies could be used as a tow rope for a semi-truck, and I was secure in that knowledge until I got into fishing. Any one person who fishes knows the importance of properly tied fishing knots. A bad knot in a monofilament line means a lost fish. I can't tell you how many times a knot has failed and lost a fish because of it. If you want to add a little bit of insult to injury, scientists believe the first knot was not even a human invention. Apes and gorillas are most likely the first knot tires. I guess even a baby ape knew how to tie his shoes. The knot has been around long before the invention of the wheel. It can be very overwhelming to someone like me. A mathematician in Stockholm by the name of Mikhail Vedmo Johansson led a team of folks to determine how many tie knots are possible. Their results say there are 177,147 different ways to tie the knot of a necktie. I never could figure out one. The Windsor. So I quit wearing ties. Unless they had the little plastic clip on them to hold the tie to my shirt. Tying knots in rope gets a little bit easier. There are only about 4,000 known knots for rope, ranging from simple to unbelievable. To put this into some easier perspective, knots can be divided into three different categories by their uses. The first is knots. Basically, a knot is used to tie two pieces of rope or cordage together. 
Simple as that. Wrap a rope around something carried on the roof of your car, and a knot keeps the two ends together securely. The second is hitches. Hitches are used to tie rope around something. Tying up your boat in a mooring at the dock is a good example. You can also use a hitch to secure a bundle of things. Such as a pile of firewood. The third category would be lashings. Lashings are knots used to tie two objects together, like poles for a shelter or fixing up a broken fence post. You can also lash tarps to a pole when you need a roof from the elements. Start out by learning a few of the basics, and you will be ahead of the game. Learn the overhand knot and the square knot, which you probably already know. Jump into the sheet bend and the bowline, and you will have a good selection of knots. Two half hitches and the taut line hitch will fill most of your needs in the hitch department. When it comes to lashings, the round and diagonal lashings will get you through most any situation. I won't even try to make this a how-to column, as there is not room, nor do I have the skill set. There are many books with black and white diagrams available to further confuse the would-be student of knots. Ah, but we are in modern times, and there are resources available to us. There are scores of videos on the internet, but if you have a cell phone, you are in business. Download the free app called Useful Knots Tying Guide by Neptune Apps. With this app and a couple of four-foot sections of rope, you can learn all the basic knots, hitches, and lashings, plus dozens of others you probably did not even know existed. Countless other free apps are available, but this one gives really clear directions, history of the knot, and its many uses. You can practice these knots at home, in your easy chair, or at your desk at work when the boss isn't around. For you folks who fish, there are dozens of apps teaching fishing knots as well. Years ago, when I lived in the Florida Keys, I was pretty good at about 30 different knots for fishing and ropes on the boat. I had to learn all of them from black and white diagrams or other people. This app really makes it easy. I might even finally learn how to tie my shoes correctly, so I don't need scissors and a pocket knife anymore to get them untied. All right, we have a little bit of news in the arts this week. Cowboy Poet featured at Lone Cone Library, special to the forum. This month, on the third Wednesday of the month, the Stories and Poems series at the Lone Cone Library welcomes word wrangler John Nelson of Gunnison to perform his original work November 15th at 6.30 p.m. Quote, I first met John when we both appeared in David Rothman's 1998 anthology, The Geography of Hope, Poets of Colorado's Western Slope, said Talking Chords director Art Goodtimes. Quote, he's a fine storyteller in lyric form, end quote. Nelson recently retired from 40 years of leading horseback pack trips and trail rides into spectacular Rocky Mountain wilderness country as the owner and operator of the Gunnison Country Guide Service. In the early years of that career, he began reciting cowboy poetry from his favorite authors to entertain guests and wranglers around the evening campfires. When one guest inquired, Hey, John, you're pretty good at reciting other people's poetry, but have you ever written any of your own? It spurred him into action. Since then, he has authored a packload of his personal writings. In addition, he has performed and entertained at numerous gatherings, celebrations, banquets, guest ranches, hunting camps, clubs, outdoor sports shows, schools, classrooms, and TV and radio. His work has been published in a couple of anthologies and in many outdoor sports magazines and newspapers. Stories and Poems follows a simple format. There will be a performance of a featured storyteller or poet, followed by a question-and-answer session, and then a gourd circle. At that point, everyone present will be invited to tell a story, perform a poem, an original or a favorite written by someone else, sing a song, read a short section of prose, 
or simply pass the gourd to the next person. Stories and Poems is free and open to all ages, sponsored by private donors and the Fisher Cantor Poetry Contest. The public is welcome to visit telluriteinstitute.org forward slash talking gourds to hear more about the program. For more information, folks may also text 970-729-0220 or email goodtimes at shrumpa at gmail.com. That's S-H-R-O-O-M-P-A at gmail.com. Okay, now for my favorite section, history from the Rimrocker Historical Society. Old news from the Nuclear Independent by Jane Thompson of the Rimrocker Historical Society. All right, we got a picture here that looks like one of their old newspapers from the Independent. It says, everybody reads it. The Independent, W.A. Hopkins, editor and publisher. Published Thursdays, $1.50 the year in advance. The best and knobbiest weekly on the Western Slope. Unpacking at the museum has been so fun. We recently came across a box full of Nucla Independent newspapers, and as usual, I tend to get lost in them. They are so interesting to read. I thought I would share the news of November 11, 1915. Front Page News brings the story of the Nucla Mercantile Company having business problems. The company was assigned to W.P. Johnson of Coventry as trustee. Quote, Mr. Johnson has assumed charge of the store and will operate the business with a view of paying 100 cents on the dollar to the creditors if possible. End quote. The article goes on to say, quote, The many friends of C.E. Williams, manager and principal owner of the Mercantile Company, will regret to learn of this business failing. End quote. Hmm. How interesting that 100 years later we would find our grocery store with the same problem and all of us feeling sad for the owner of our mercantile. A business meeting at the Pioneer Club was scheduled for Sunday, November 14th at 2 p.m. and a full attendance was requested. The club was celebrating the anniversary of the CC Company on November 25th with a short entertainment and a dance. A benefit dance, picture show, and supper were held at the town hall the past Saturday for the A.B. Green family. The home of the Green family burned and was a total loss. Mr. Sly sold $19 in tickets and Myrtle Cooper sold $13. The Nucle Pharmacy sold tickets minus the $3.25 for ice cream. The dance show and supper raised $75.90. Mrs. Ray donated a cake which sold for $1 and another half cake by Mrs. Anderson for 25 cents. Quote, a large dancing crowd was out and a number of people were present from the river, Natarita, and the Coke ovens, end quote, the story said. A social was to be held at the congregational church given by the high school girls for the purpose of raising money to start a basketball team. Quote, there will be 10 cent admission at the door and ice cream and cake will be served at 10 cents a dish. We hope everyone will come and help the girls out, end quote. In the classified ads section, the Tarkoff 80-acre ranch with orchard and ample ditch stock was offered for rent for the season of 1916. The U.S. Geological Survey was looking for pasture, shelter, and hay when necessary for nine animals from about November 20th through the winter, and the stock had to be kept in good condition. Eugene Schaefer offered a $5 reward for one dark red heifer, two years old, which had strayed from home, a 10 by 12 tent, and one small cook stove were for sale by Everett Gibbs. News from Ute says that Mrs. Rice will go to Montrose to live for the winter, leaving Mr. Rice to hold down the homestead. A light snow fell but melted quickly. School was getting along fine with two new students, bringing the enrollment to 20. Water was to be turned out of the CC Company ditch as soon as the slush ice commenced to float in the river. From the 12th to the 18th was the usual time the water had been turned out. The stork visited at Second Park the previous Sunday and left a fine baby boy at the home of Mr. and Mrs. Harry Hutchins. 
Dr. Nordland was the delivering doctor. Some of the business advertisements of the day were the nucleoplaning mill. Mr. Preston was the proprietor, and he did cabinet work, sash, screens, beehives, and apple boxes for local use. Mr. Nietzsche had a tinsmithing shop and also advertised for machine work. Ubel and Lockwood did cement and concrete work with cisterns as their specialty. Mr. Wintern would be painting, paper hanging, and sign painting. The Natarita house provided excellent meals, and all boarders and rumors were given every attention usually found in an up-to-date hotel. Mrs. Swan, who was generally called Ma Swan, was the proprietor. You could buy a lump of coal at the Naus coal mine for $2.25 or have it delivered for $4, and they would take hay, grain, or pork in exchange for the coal. The pastime billiard hall and barbering with S.L. Howard, the proprietor, offered vibratory massage for 35 cents, as well as a full line of candies, tobaccos, and cigars. And that was life in Nucla and the surrounding area 108 years ago. Except for the prices, it really hasn't changed much if you think about it. I agree. Thank you, Jane Thompson, for that bit of history. And thank you, Reagan Tuttle, for another edition of the fantastic San Miguel Basin Forum. The Trailhead Sound Lab in Natarita, Colorado. This has been a 141 production in cooperation with the Rim Rocker Historical Society and the San Miguel Basin Forum. This has been Volume 74, Issue Number 24 of the San Miguel Basin Forum, bringing you all the headlines out of the West End of Colorado for the week of November 15th, 2023. Thanks for listening in today. I'm your host, Brock Benson. We'll see you next week.